I miss Chiodos a little bit. They were pretty dope. My brother and his friends just call them Chiodios. <laughs> I was looking into the mirror. Wine harder, Chiodos. Insert theme song here. Welcome to A Warp to Remember. I'm Rachel. I'm joined by... Zoe. If you don't know us, welcome. Recommend catching up on our other eps because they're quality. <laughs> but here's what we do here. We're called Warp to Remember. We love Warp Tour. We're two emo gals, best friends living our lives. And we thought, let's talk about music. We talk about it all the time. Let's record it instead. We talk about all our favorite songs. We talk about some of our not favorite songs, our <laughs> boiling lava hot takes in my case. <laughs> and then we use Warped Tour as a scope. So you're tuning in to a very special episode because once a month we do a history episode of one year of Warped Tour. Warped Tour is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year in 2019, the year of our Lord. And um, Max Bemis. We happen to be, yeah, for real. We happen to be on 1998. So last week we talked about our favorite songs from 1998, what we thought was representational of this time, just to kind of get amped. And now we're going to dive into the nitty gritty. My girl Zoe did some beautiful research. Um, I will say at the top, if you like us or you don't like us, regardless, hit us up on social media. We're at A Warped to Remember on Instagram, MySpace, Facebook. We're also at Warped Number Two Remember on Twitter. Give us your thoughts. Leave us a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. We would love that. That would be great. We're just doing this for fun. We're two friends who love talking about the shit. So we'd love some feedback that's not exclusively from my girl, Danny Steinberg, friend of the pod, or my mom. So, but thank you so much. We love you both. Please keep giving us feedback. Yes. But everyone else, cool. That'd be nice. With that, take away Zoe. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, if you missed last week, we did talk about some great songs from 1998 uh, from bands that were almost exclusively on Warped Tour, not quite, but um, a lot of great punk, ska, pop punk, right girls. Metal. Metal. Yeah, metal. Uh, we learned that I love Godsmack, which is yeah. an interesting development. Did not expect it. <laughs> Honestly, like, still processing it. Not I sure love Godsmack. I feel. Um, this week, we're going to talk about 1998. This was the fourth year of Warp Tour. So it was a senior in high school. No, I don't know. <laughs> I guess. That's fair. It's like a senior. It was gonna go to college. Yeah, because you know why? They in the it's the summer between senior year and freshman year of college and they got really political all of a sudden. Yeah. And they met really well, but a lot of what they said seemed a little off. This is very much that year of warped. So this is a really big year of warped tour. Um a lot of really cool new stuff happened that would really influence what was gonna happen uh for the next 21 years of the tour um but before we get into the tour specifically i want to give you guys some context about what was happening in 1998 uh in the world so if you missed the 2000 uh excuse me if you missed the 1997 episode from a couple weeks ago i suggest uh listening to that after this and just kind of cluing back into what was going on rachel shared some really awesome stuff that happened in that year and also a lot of tragedy 97 was a year where shit was going down there was a lot of violence around the world um a, we had that kind of underlying just panic and um boiling uh, tensions were starting to surface so 98 sees a lot of that uh realized some of it resolved um across the world but very much we're still in this world of kind of fighting 
the picturesque idea of facade that we all try to put out against what was really happening. One of the biggest things that happened in 1998 in America specifically was the Drudge Report came out that broke the story about Bill Clinton's alleged affair with Monica Lewinsky. Right. So this misogyny at an all-time high. Exactly. Everybody. So this would be obviously a big theme for this entire year because it wouldn't be until the end of the year that he was actually impeached. Um, so if the Drudge Report Bill came, Bill Clinton was impeached. You didn't know that Bill Clinton was impeached. <laughs> Wait. I was, like, pretty sure, but I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I was also... How old were you in 1998. I was three. Oh, okay. I started kindergarten in 1999. <laughs> oh, my God. So I was in preschool. But side note, this has nothing to do with our podcast. John Oliver for uh, Last Week Tonight just did a really interesting interview with her talking about public shaming. I suggest everybody go back and listen to it because it's been 21 years since this all happened to Monica Lewinsky. She was like in her early 20s when this happened to her. Her whole life. This upended her entire life. Exactly. So please go back. Find it on YouTube. It's on YouTube, the the whole interview. It's really interesting. She has a lot of interesting things to say um, about her experience and then also about the way that the, the public treated her. So this is going to be obviously a big pervasive theme throughout the America um, for all of 98 is Monica Lewinsky scandal. And making her the butt of the joke and blaming everything on her specifically and yes. how Hillary is disgusting and that's why he cheated on her. Right. It was just so much misogyny, so unabashedly, even yeah. more so than today, I would argue. Oh, yeah. Which oh, seems yeah. impossible. Right. The um, 80s, 90s was a whole time of these prolific women who were made as the butt of jokes. Oh, yeah. Like, Loretta Bobbitt was routinely abused by her husband and has been reduced to a punchline mm-hmm. for defending herself. Yeah. And Monica Lewinsky's life was ruined and she's been exclusively the butt of the joke. Yeah. It, 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 Tanya Harding. Fucking mm. so many people. Yeah. And I'm not defending any of these people one way or the other. I'm just saying like they were all ruined. Yeah. And no one knew half the shit. Yeah. And then they were all punchlines. Yeah. And we didn't care anymore. Exactly. I'm a little mad at Weird Al for his Loretta Bobbitt thing. Still, <laughs> you know, he's a friend of the pod in my mind, but... Nobody Uh, is without, you know, a stain on their reputation somewhere. Story checks out. He's not canceled by any means. No, exactly. He's renewed. So, So that is really probably the biggest thing that's going to happen in America in 98 is Bill Clinton. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it is our president. Um, uh, A couple other interesting things, obviously, are going to happen throughout the year. One of them is the uh, there's quite a few... um, interesting space development. So going from America to outer space. Yes, because I talked about space in my episode. Exactly. I so love space. Space, obviously, we're still very much exploring space at this point. The Lunar Prospector spacecraft is launched into orbit around the moon. Uh, right in the beginning of January 98, it's later going to find evidence of frozen water in the soil. The craters of the moon's poles, so obviously shows that there was potentially um, water, potentially water on the moon, and, and that there could potentially be life on the moon. The second space uh, cool thing that's going to happen at the end of the year is a space shuttle Endeavour will launch the first American component to the International Space Station, the 25,600-pound Unity module, um, and it's going to dock onto the International Space Station right in December. So again, we're really... You know, we're still very much trying to push through the, that frontier. Mm-hmm. Um, switching over to 
Europe. So last uh, episode, Rachel gave us some really interesting details into a lot of European conflicts. One of the biggest things she also mentioned was uh, the first sheep is cloned in Scotland in 97. In January of 98, 19 European nations will agree to forbid human cloning. So you can see where the gears are already turning for a lot of uh, slippery slope ideas within the world of science. Right. Also in Europe, the first Euro coins are minted in Pesic, France. Um, Unfortunately, they didn't have the final specifications for the coins, so they will all be melted down and re-minted in 99. Wouldn't you check? Right? Um, I guess the the EU was just forming and they haven't quite gotten there, I guess. I blame dudes. Probably. (laughs) Yeah, basically, right? Um, The European Central Bank with this is established replacing the European money uh, monetary institute so we see Europe um let's see 98 so it's been not quite 10 years after the fall of the wall so we see Europe is starting to come together more of course we still have a lot of violence in Yugoslavia and Bosnia happening in Eastern Europe um that's coupled with the second Congo war begins uh Rachel mentioned the fighting in Algeria in 98. That's going to tag into this Congo war. 5.4 million people will die before it ends in 2003, making it the bloodiest war since uh, the world, since World War II. Yeah. So we still have And a lot no one talks, since World War II. II. Think yeah. of how often we talk about World War II and how little, little we, we talk, talk about, about that. The Congo, the second Congo war. Absolutely. Which we could get into the reasons why, oh. but that's not our podcast. <laughs> Makes me want to make some fucking punk music. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, not that anyone was thinking about Algeria, but but maybe they should have been. Another big thing that happened in Europe was the Good Friday Agreement is signed on April tenth. It's an hour before the end of the talks deadline between Northern Ireland and the British government, um, and obviously Ireland itself. Uh, Almost all of the Northern Ireland political parties will sign the Good Friday Agreement, um, except for the notable Democratic Unionist Party. So we still have tensions between Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK and Ireland itself. Um, but that Good Friday Agreement is referenced in quite a few punk songs. It's referenced in quite a few songs in general. Um, so there's a lot of, like I said, there's t- some things are being resolved in the world. There is some coming together with Europe joining, you know, the EU coming together. We are all kind of going out there in space together, but we still have quite a few um unresolved tensions and there's still quite a bit of fighting and not too much has changed honestly between 90 if anything 98 is um gonna lead up lead us up into obviously the millennia and everybody freaking out about y2k so right things are a little stagnated right now um a couple of things that were interesting um 
that kind of fun little facts about 1998 that happened. Uh, I have to shout out the St. Louis Cardinals, Missouri. Nice. Uh, from Missouri. So you use Cardinals for uh, first baseman Mark McGuire hits his 62nd home run for the season, wow. thus breaking the single the singles season record of 61 home runs, which had been held by Roger Maris since 1961. Um, I remember this very vividly. My mom's entire family is from St. Louis, so they it was huge in the family that this was happening with Mark McGuire. He was on like every cereal box and oh, I bet. like, I mean, just anything you could buy at the store, Mark McGuire was just plastered everywhere. Um, so if you ask me if I know baseball players, Mark McGuire is like one of the only ones I know. <laughs> he would go on to, I believe, be convicted of doping. Maybe he got out of that scandal, but like, he, there was definitely some controversy with him. Um, Google Inc. is founded in Menlo Park, California by Stanford University PhD candidates Larry Page and Sergey Brin uh, in September of 1998. So our Google overlords begin. Yep. Um, that impacted my childhood in a big yeah, way because I grew up in Silicon Valley. There we go. So Missouri in the Valley. Yeah. In March of 98, Titanic will gross a uh, billion dollars. It came out in December of 97. So I want everybody to think about this. Titanic came out in December of 97. By March, essentially four months later, it will have grossed a billion. Today, uh, Avengers Endgame, in a weekend, grossed a billion. So that's how far in a dec- two decades we've come with movie earnings. Right. Which- what about inflation, though? Uh, true. So with inflation, I mean, whatever that means. Obviously. I know. I love movie statistics like that. And then I'm always like, I'm too lazy to look up the math. But what about But inflation? what I mean is that... But yeah, no. Uh, in terms of who was going to, to the theater. Yes. Yeah. In terms of like who was rushing to a theater and how yeah. quickly... Also social media. Because I think word yeah. of mouth is times a gajillion. And yeah. I think hype. I think the machine of hype is so different now than it was then. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was a, it was a much slower burn from our perspective for Titanic, but Yeah. Right, exactly. But the huge global impact of it oh, is undeniable. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So And of course, the iconic Celine Dion and uh, <gasps> that penny whistle. That penny whistle. <laughs> will go on in history. It hasn't been sent. Honestly, they probably sent that to the fucking moon in some products. I would not be surprised at all. Yeah. Obviously, there was a ton more that happened in 98, but those were the kind of the highlights of some of the political mm-hmm. and pop culture things. Um, the other relevant pop culture standards that were going to happen, uh, the iMac G3, which was the, colored, the color iMacs. I had a gray one for years. Yeah, the big desktop ones. Mm-hmm. Those uh, debut in 98. They will stick around until 2003, I believe, when they're retired uh, and replaced by more of the sleeker iMac uh, my family got the sleeker iMac in like 05. Yep. So I got our old one of that. Nice. It was gray. I used to uh, repeat Dance Dance by Fall Out Boy on it to yeah. get it to be the most listened to song on my iTunes. <laughs> and then I would put the visualizer on and sit and stare at it. Completely sober. Little did we know I would love cannabis as an adult. <laughs> who, who, who knew? Who could have thought? Who could have ever thought? Just a fun Mac specific memory <laughs> for you. 
Um, some of the notable movies that came out. Uh, I forgot to fact check all of these, so pardon me if they came out in 97 <laughs> or 99, but whatever. They were in the 98 realm ever after my wonderful Drew Barrymore. Uh, love her. The uh, uh, the X-Files movie. Mm. The Big Lebowski and The Truman Show, mm. all within that same era. Again, Truman Show fucked me up good. Super sorry if none of those came out in 98, but... Um, and then uh, Pokemon Red and Blue, Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue. I remember that come out in '98, mm-hmm. uh, thus starting a huge cultural phenomena that is still very, very much happening today um, with Pokemon Go and, of course, Detective Pikachu. Um, so I love it, that we're finally getting to shit that I remember. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. finally, I know because I'm old enough now. Like, oh, I know all this. Um, musically, we have a ton of amazing things happening musically. A lot of big albums came out this year. Um, first of all, all those movies were right. I just checked. Oh, perfect. Oh, great. Okay. Um, first of all, I think what we, what we really see is we start to see a, a much larger disconnect than maybe ever before between, um, top 40 pop sounds versus rock and all of the genres within rock and roll. But the, even though there was such a difference in those sounds, both could be played on the same radio station within seconds of each other. So true. Which is something that we haven't necessarily seen in the same way earlier in the 90s. Um, so I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, all of the, the boy bands that were happening at this time. So, of course, we still had a little bit of Hanson left, but Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, um, will go on to be huge cultural phenomena. Um, Britney Spears's baby one more time. The single will debut in 98. The full album debuts in 99, thus becoming the biggest album of 1999 was Britney Spears. Um, oh yeah. In a big way. I drew, um, all women. Yeah. In kindergarten, because I was in kindergarten in 1999. I drew all women uh, with midriff tops and belly buttons because <laughs> nice. of Britney Spears. Yeah. And then we did this class project where they give you, like, a cutout of a person, and then you decorate it in any way you want to show, like, what you want to be when you grow up. Yeah. And my mom helped me. We bought fabric, and she got me a silver pipe cleaner to make a face microphone. Oh, my God. That's I how much I loved love Britney Spears this. in 1999. Uh, my brother, when he was in kindergarten, chose to be a ninja spy. <laughs> I chose to be a pop star. Little did I know I could not sing in any capacity. But, you know, I just wanted to face I Mike. don't think it would really matter at this point either. Yeah, I just wanted to they face Mike, you know? Yeah. Uh, just a fun fact for you. For me in 99, <laughs> in my relationship with Brittany, I drew all women with belly buttons and midriff tops. I love that. For years. Yeah. What a... I love that journey yeah. for you. Thank you. <laughs> and did I ever wear a midriff top? No. <laughs> but you know what? It was there. It was a vibe. Yeah. I also got a very iconic haircut, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um... Of course, and then the Spice Girls just became huge. I mean, I yes. just, I had their poster. I had all of their Barbies. Um, it also, though, created, uh, Jerry Hall- Halliwell will go into hiding um, because she will leave the Spice Girls yep. in 98. So the Spice Girls uh, have quite a, quite a large year. They had, um, like, big portraits of each girl mm-hmm. in their, like, primary office space. And when she left, they turned hers upside down. Oh, my God. But they left it on the wall. <laughs> Yo, tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna really, really, really wanna zig a zig. If you want my future. I believe it. It was a big time because these, 
I mean, these groups were bringing in so much money, um, and they would really. I mean, they were just, and and it was in every genre. The hip hop genres themselves mm-hmm. were also having the same kind of success. Um, yeah, because white kids all of a sudden discovered Tupac. Exactly. Uh, Outcast. Uh, yeah. Jay Z, Volume Two, Hard Knock Life came out. Uh, Mas Def. Uh, the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill will come out. A huge album. I love that album. It's just like about time. Like all of it. It just sucks that all of a sudden people like give a shit because like white kids found out about it right it's like it's just a bummer but it's still amazing that all these artists were having their time to shine mm-hmm. absolutely um we get uh, brandy had a really big year in 98 she has a handful of singles that came out um get a superstar my pros comes out comes out um it's a it's a big year for a lot of solo artists and a lot of groups the number one song out of 1998 is too close by next which is about grinding up in the club and getting a little poke. Highly recommend the <laughs> podcast Punch Up the Jam, in which they covered that song yep. in a beautiful way. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other big songs off of the Billboard. Uh, Brandy was also Cinderella in 1997. There we go. So the iconic Brandy, probably the best version of Cinderella in my ever. Own corner, my own little chair, bitch. Yes. I had it on Laserdisc. Um, Sorry, I just had to share. It's good. We get, speaking of Brandy and Monica, Do the Boy Is Mine. Uh, that was the second t- top single after Too Close. Uh, Shania Twain, Leanne Rhymes are coming in. So again, we see yeah. these big names in every genre. And then Savage Garden with Truly Madly Deeply is, uh, will round us out. Forgot about that. Yeah. Duh. Yeah, absolutely. Very important. So um, within all of these big names that are starting to kick us off into what will become, I mean, huge careers for these people. Uh, we do have some really specific things that happen it, within 98 that are really important. First of all, before I go too far, shares Believe, the first single off of her 22nd studio album of the same name is released. And do you believe? We all know that Cher is the greatest metal singer of all time. Correct. As we mentioned in our previous yeah. episode, as I came to a stunning realization yeah. that that's why I like metal. <laughs> because of Cher. Um, she, I mean, that song is iconic. Uh, so Cher has a great year. Um, oh, I do believe. <laughs> also, believe. between, but uh, another big album that's going to come out and really push yet another group within yet another genre is Korn. Their third studio album, oh Follow the Leader. Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot Korn! Their third studio album, Follow the Leader, entered Billboard 200 at number one. Korn topped the charts. <laughs> that topped the charts? This is was that that album? No, was that later? I'm the worst. When did Freak on a Leash come out? Uh, maybe, I can't remember. Probably like 2004, I don't know. But Korn... They launched new metal into the mainstream. So you have mm-hmm. Cher topping the charts right next to Korn, right next to Spice Girls, right next to The Offspring. Yeah. So you have everybody's out there. Everybody's accessible right now. It's what a crazy. time to be alive. Next to Jay-Z and uh, Lauren Hill. And Lauren Hill. It's it's a crazy year. It's a, it's a really exciting year yeah. for some really monumental music. Yeah. Surprise, 
on the front of music festivals, organizers in April announced that Lollapalooza will not be staged in 98, which is a huge boon for Warp Tour because everybody yeah. who was... Gonna go. Yeah, gonna go to Lollapalooza is now at a loss. Where do they go? They go to Warp Tour. Uh, especially in on the East Coast of New Jersey, the uh, New Jersey stuff for Warp Tour oh, yeah. became huge I bet. without Lollapalooza. So how, do you know why? Do you know what the um, reasoning was? I believe it had to do with uh, trying to, um, the contracts between artists and the event itself. It just wow. wasn't sustainable. Huh. They couldn't get... Um, how many years of Lollapalooza have happened before? Lollapalooza, I think, when, I want to say started in like 94, maybe. Mm-hmm. 93, 94, potentially earlier. I apologize if I'm wrong on that. Don't fact check me. But So they had been <laughs> around for maybe four years at this time, maybe like a year before Warped. I don't think Lollapalooza started the same year as Warped. I think it started like at least a year before, if not two. Lilith Fair is also fledgling at this point and barely hanging on. So really, all of our other big music vessels at this time. Uh, Woodstock will try to come back in 99, which is pretty infamous, but really Warped is is going to come out as a, as a huge winner of this year's music festival scene. Um, Lollapalooza will, of course, return in 2003. Um, 91. Oh, 91, okay. Earlier than I thought. Yeah. 91 to 97, then 2003, Yeah. then 2005 to present. Yes. So Lollapalooza is like, they, they, she comes and goes. Yeah. I didn't realize. They've been trying. Um, another big, of course, another big festival song contest that happens is Eurovision in the UK. Mm-hmm. This is a huge deal. This is the, in 98, it's the 43rd Eurovision song contest. It's held in Birmingham, United Kingdom. And it's won by Israel's uh, transgender performer, Dania International, with the song Diva. Wow. So, yeah. So it's a big. Are you going to clip it out? Yes, I, I will clip it out right now. Um, so of course that's a huge, you know, late nineties. It's a really big stage to win for somebody within the LGBT plus community. Um, that won't be the only time that somebody kind of breaks some gender barriers, um, within Eurovision, which we'll see later in the two thousands. A couple of interesting music logistical things that happened in 98 before we jump into Warped Tour specifically. Uh, In October of 1998, the Recording Industry Association of America files in court against Diamond Multimedia an attempt to block the release of the new Rio PMP300, which is one of the first MP3 digital audio players because they argue it's a music piracy device. It's denied in October of the, of the same year, clear, which cleared the way for the PMP 300 to become the first commercially successful MP3 player. Whoa! Yeah. So they tried. They were scared. They knew. The recording industry knew in late 90s that here we go. Here's MP3. Once you digitize music, man. Exactly. This was the start of how we listen to music today. Um, all digital. And a really tumultuous time. I mean, thinking, because, like, you can't even properly chart anything from, like, from, like, 99 onward. Yeah. It's really difficult to figure out, like, really what has... 
I mean, for better and for worse, but wow. Yeah. So that that's going to happen. Um, and then kind of in that same vein, also in October of 98, the Copyright Term Extension Act is signed into law, giving the entertainment industry 20 more years of exclusive rights to all works created since 1923. So Whoa. again, the entertainment industry as a whole, the record labels, they're really trying to hold on to any power they have left. I think there were enough. There was enough foresight within these companies to know that times were changing. Um, first of all, probably driven by Y2K, and we didn't know what was going to happen. And then second of all, because technology is starting to kick off. Like I said, Google also came out this year. All of a sudden, we're online more. People are starting to explore what are some ways that we can access our entertainment without Brittany having to be at home. Yeah. Brittany knew it with her iconic single "Email My Heart" off her first album. So. Hey, but honestly, like that's a really good point. Yeah. Like, yeah, we uh, we start to see technology really start to come in more and more into the scene. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, which we we listened to this band in our last episode, but the Offspring's release of Americana uh, is a massive mainstream success. It goes on to be certified five times platinum and sells over a wow. hundred million copies worldwide. I never realized just how big The Offspring is. Yeah. Pretty Fly for a White Guy chopped, topped the charts in nine different countries. So wild. Which is wild. So wild. So it's a big year. 98 is a big year. There's a lot going on globally. There's obviously a lot going on yeah. in America. I feel like 97 was a lot of growing pains. It was a weird transition. I, I can't think of... I mean, I'm also very young. But I really can't think of a decade pop culturally, I'll say, mm-hmm. that had such an insane difference from like the the first Beginning half of, to the last yes. half. Because I know, of course, if you look at like 1969 versus 1979, it's going to be really different. Sure. But I'm talking like from 94 to 95, there were huge changes. Like yeah. the 90s were such a weird, fast microcosm and so much change happened so quickly. Yes. Absolutely. It really, every, it was kind of like people were like, we just need to get through as much stuff before the millennia because we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, just between 97 and 98, so yeah. many big strides and changes. Yeah. And again, like I said, some, some resolution, but it's still problems. So much unrest. Yeah. Yes. Tour. Warp Tour, like I said, it's their fourth year. This is a really exciting year for the tour. Um, it's, they're going to go on 34 North American stops. Uh, they'll start in Phoenix, Arizona in August of 98, and they're going to end... Or no, excuse me. They'll start in Phoenix, Arizona early in the summer. They're going to end in August in Austin, Texas. But the one of the biggest things about this, finally, mm-hmm. about 98 was that they the the tour expanded and traveled overseas for the first time not just to Canada they'd been to Canada i think every year previously maybe excluding 95 mm-hmm. um, but for 96 97 definitely they went to Canada but 98 is the first year that they are going to go to uh, Europe Australia and Japan with modified lineups to be fair cuz there yeah. were there was obviously you can't take everybody with right. you um and to be honest, I wasn't able to find full lists for who performed uh, out of the country, but I would anticipate that the big players um, like Bad Religion, Rancid, uh, No Effects, No Effects, 
probably no use for a name. Um, some of the bigger bands who had been on um, on the tour for longer probably went abroad. Yeah, I'm so curious, especially Japan. Right? Because I feel like the UK mirrors us in a lot of ways. Our charts kind of overlap sometimes. Yeah. But I feel like Japan is really its own world yeah. compared to our Absolutely. charts. I would love to know who played that. Absolutely. That's so wild. So that's a big... Uh, obviously was a huge difference because you're you're watching Lollapalooza's it can't they can't put on the show because it's there's there's not enough money contract problems too many issues Lilifair is basically dead in the water there really aren't a lot of um other venues out there doing what Warped Tour is doing but Warped Tour Kevin Lyman's out here like let's do it let's go abroad let's push all of this music out there. Well, and with Eddie Ball and ASCAP mm-hmm. sponsoring and yeah, bands, I mean, powerhouses. Oh, yeah. And I think it was cyclical because I think Warp Tour promoted them in the same way yes. that they promoted Warp Tour. Absolutely. They kind of, I feel like the late 90s is where they really grew into like one and the same. Yes. Brand exactly. wise. Brand wise. Yeah. We, we, I think the fourth year was when Warp Tour's brand had started to become established. Right. They, you kind of knew more and more what you were getting into. More and more of the same bands had been around long enough to be able to head up that brand. Um, So some of the bands that are notable for um, 98 are 22 Jacks. Uh, The Aquabats are back for like, I think the fourth year. Bad Religion, of course. Cherry Pop and Daddy is who we talked about uh, in last week's episode. This will be their one and only <laughs> appearance on yep. Love Tour. The Swing Band, Swing Ska Band. CIV is back. Deftones is back. Fu Manchu, The Get Up Kids Return. Godsmack, Rachel's um, yes. love is will come on. I know two songs by them. <laughs> <laughs> but I love them. Rachel's Lucky Love of 2019, Godsmack will come back, uh, will come on to the tour for, I believe, the, their one and only year on the tour, bringing a big metal influence into the tour. Yeah. Uh, Hepcats on H2O Incubus. I saw them on comes the list. In. Yeah. yeah. Incubus is going to come in for kind of the alternative vibe. Um, they play a show right next to Kid Rock, of all people. So wild. Um he, he's he joins in we get uh mxpx no effects no use for a name rancid of course long time stance um save ferris will come on and play i know yeah but their album didn't match no i know oh me too but I they're on my them. list baby i should have i meant Love to mention save them on ferris. my i know i didn't i they were my, my third i knew i was missing somebody yeah but their I albums are 97 and 99 yeah, exactly. i checked <laughs> So they are really probably arguably like one of the biggest hits of Save Ferris is their cover of Come On Eileen. Yeah. Which is a great. Yeah, I think it's literally their number one song on yeah. Spotify. You know. So Save Ferris will come on for this year and pretty much this year only. Um, we also get Stained. Uh, we'll come in. Oh God, I forgot Stained existed. Stained again. Kind wow. of in that same, I would say like new metal, metal adjacent genre. Um, the, the precursor to hardcore, I think. Yes. Yeah. And there's such a distinct hardcore influence and presence within Warped Tour in the new millennium. And these like metal distortion driven bands really paved the way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other, the, the um, Voodoo Glow Skulls comes back. Yeah. Uh, Superhead. So uh, Tilt and Swing and Utters 
So again, a lot of the same people that we've been seeing the past couple of years will return um, for 98, but we are seeing a larger shift off of the ska-heavy 97 year into a blend with metal, which is really interesting because the July 18th concert in Somerset, Wisconsin at Floatride Park is merged with the heavy metal festival OzFest, of course, as in Ozzy Osbourne, Osbourne, baby. Black Sabbath, yeah. baby. So the wild time that is OzFest is going to be joined by Warp Tour for the first and notably only time. Yeah. <laughs> Those are not key demos that overlap often. No. It resulted in a 12-hour, six-stage, 48-band event called Oz Gets Warped, which... Fun. Fun, right? The attendance was first reported as 60,000. Obviously, it was later changed to 39,000 people attended this huge field event in Wisconsin. Insane. And from all accounts, uh, from the MTV article that was put out in... uh, that's been archived and it's online now, but from 98, basically... There were no fights, was essentially what the article had to say. They they were, to- everybody tolerated each other. Um, but we do see, just even within the Warped lineup itself for this year, that there is a, there is more of a, of a metal influence that comes in. And I, I, again, I think metal kind of comes out of the punk sphere, mm-hmm. but it is noticeably different. Yeah. The sound is different. There, like you said, there's more distortion. Uh, the aesthetics different. It, it exactly. I mean, metal has such a distinct aesthetic that I think has carried through pretty stable. There's been a stability to their aesthetic like the whole time. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you look at like punk or pop punk, just from like approximate start dates to now, there's been so many changes and so many bands have fostered so many things whereas I feel like the literal look of like metal and metal t-shirts and metal fans has stayed like pretty much the same the only band that played on both tours uh, both bills of that year both on Ozfest and on Warp Tour you want to guess who that was was it Godsmack no I wish it's <laughs> Incubus oh that makes sense yeah that's so weird but that makes sense right uh Brandon Boyd is quoted, the lead singer of Incubus is quoted as saying, instead of competing, everybody joined forces for the good of the fans. That's cute. Yep. I guess. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I just want to see, like, the ten Hepcat fans (laughs) who wandered over. I want to see the swing dancers that showed up for the daddies being like, hi, guys. (laughs) We're here in Wisconsin. We're here in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, of all places. Wisconsin. (laughs) Wisconsin. That it's, uh, yeah, that you have, like, Tool, you know, and then <laughs> Tool. Megadeth and uh, Ozzy <laughs> right next to Cherry Pop and Daddy's. It's a uh, good time. I mean, and again, you know, that's very much a physical representation of what was happening on the radio and happening in music was that... It's just wild to have it happen in the flesh. Exactly. Uh, Warped Tour itself this year featured four stages. So we had the two main stages, two side, including um, the Ernie Ball uh, ASCAP stage, which Rachel talked about last time uh, for 97, which showcased all the local bands and had the Battle of Bands. Commonly called Locals Only. Yes. 
Um, two really interesting additions to Warp Tour in 1998 uh, were two things that were not music related. Um, the Ladies Lounge is what? put out in 1998. They made a space for us? They did. They oh my made God. a space. They called it the Ladies Lounge. So close. And yet, so far. Oh, no. Um, and I suspect that it came out of someone saying, like, where does my girlfriend go when I go to Warp Tour? Kind of. So Bad Religion. Sucks. It, it's a little, it's an interesting. Feels a little patronizing. Yes, exactly. The fact that they, first of all, call it a Ladies Lounge is annoying. But then second of all, it is. It's, uh... They made it... (laughs) The reason why they had the ladies' lounge wasn't necessarily for where do you put your girlfriend, but I appreciate that that's probably more what it became. Bad Religion, No Effects joined kind of together um, to help put together part of this this area. It was a tent that was one of the only places that included air conditioning. um, And... The lounge itself was supposed to feature booths, displays, and speakers uh, to highlight female uh, action stars in skateboarding. That's actually super cool in theory. I suspect it went poorly in practice, but that sounds really cool. Exactly. So they really did want to focus and promote professional skateboarders. Uh, Jen O'Brien and pro snowboarder Morgan LaFont or LaFonte, uh, sorry, Morgan, will be among, we're, we're going to be among the artists that were featured in the lounge. So, um, that was the whole idea is that you could kind of come out of the sun, come out of the day and learn about women, snowboarders, women, skaters, women, boarders who were going to be at that tour too. Right. And I think I, again, I, I wasn't able to, this is off, uh, MTV wrote an article about this in January of 98. It's online. Uh, if you're interested, it's very short, but uh, I couldn't find too many reaction articles to how the ladies' lounge went, so I hope that it really was kind of this beacon for the women that were women, or just people who are interested in learning more about um, different representation within the sport, mm-hmm. got to go and learn and watch these women probably kick ass. Oh, I bet on the half pipe outside, and then come on in and talk about their experience. Um, so. We talked about in the last episode with the songs that, like, it really, Warp Tour has always kind of felt like women are tolerated. There's not really a space for us. It's not really for us, but we're allowed to be there because right. the dudes say that we're allowed to be there. Yeah. But this, I will say. And I say, went in 2011 and I felt that way. Exactly. Yeah. It's not at all, it's still a thing. Yes. We're still going. We're going in July and it's going to yeah. be a kick ass time. Oh, and I'm sure it's better than it was, yeah. but it still doesn't feel like it's for us. Right. So I do appreciate that they excuse me, made an effort, uh, for the, for the borders, at least for the, for the sports aspect, the sports were really popular. Again, um, I feel like every year of Warped Tour, it's kind of hit and miss of like, is it going to be heavier on skateboarding this year? Or are we kind of just going to focus on the music? Um, Mm -hmm. but they did have, uh, quite a heavy, um, skateboard attraction for this year. There was a lot of demonstrations by Steve Caballero, Neil Hendricks, Andy McDonald, um, Mike Frazier, again, Jen O'Brien and Morgan LaFont. Um, so they did, they did want to include more, uh, of the sport aspect of Warp Tour, including the Billabong, like mini half pike or something that came in. So, um, again, still trying to keep that aspect of the tour going. That's cool. 
so the two other kind of interesting non-musical related parts of the tour this year are both film related. What? Yes. So first of all, a tour documentary called Punk Rock Summer Camp was released on VHS in 1999. I have already looked it up. We can buy it for six bucks on Amazon. It's on a DVD. Fuck yeah. Yeah. We're buying it. Um, and it's, I don't have too much information on the actual, we'll have to, we will, listeners, we will buy it. We will watch it and do a special episode on our thoughts and feelings about this documentary. But they did release uh, the tour doc, uh, of course, along with the compilation, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, But the other really fun and interesting thing that they tried to do in 98, and I think maybe tried to do in 99, was the Warped Film Fest. So you had the ladies' lounge, which was this air-conditioned tent. You can meet some really cool ladies, women, people. Uh, and then you had the Warped Film Fest, which was another big air-conditioned tent. Kevin Lyman decided uh, we are going to put together a mini film fest. And he put together this big tent. It was air-conditioned. They had a handful of TVs with v- with uh, VCRs attached, because this is 98. And they played... Uh, a handful of different movies just kind of on a loop during the day. Cool. There was no um, program, so you never really knew what film you might walk in and see. Okay, that seems kind of lame. Yep. <laughs> uh, but they, but you could get in out of... His whole idea was that he wanted to give people an opportunity to get in out of the sun, to take mm-hmm. a quick break, but to still ha- be learning something, to still have something to consume. Mm-hmm. Um so they were more the projects were more presented as kind of trailers rather than necessarily full screenings of each um, movie but they uh, previewed things like uh, Basketball and Child's Play 3 Bright of Chucky (laughs) were there uh, because they were sponsors of the film tent Um, but they also had uh, some of the Magna videos uh, for their Japanese animation like Ghost in a Shell and Ninja Squad one of the biggest films to receive a healthy viewership was Douglas Cocker's Born to Lose, which was sandwiched between a skateboarding documentary, The Sixth Sense. Um, so again, trying to bring in films mm-hmm. that were maybe relevant to that same demographic. Right. Um, I don't really believe, as far as I know... <laughs> As far as I know, this film fest did not last very long within the confines of war, probably because the logistics of hauling around a bunch of TVs and VCRs at this time right. was difficult. The wear and tear on the physical equipment. Well, and I'm sure there were like drunk punks who came in and fucked around. Oh, 100%. But they did, as far as I know, they did, tr- Kevin Lyman, uh, they they did open submissions where you could submit a video cassette of whatever you wanted to screen at the Vans Warp Tour 99. So uh, they tried at least in 99. That's cute. Kevin Lyman is quoted as saying um, that they, basically that he just, they wanted to kind of give it a try, that he's just, was just interested in, and what else can we, can we do with the tour? You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. go, obviously it's going well um, and they wanted to use 98 as kind of a, a good test in his words. We're trying. Uh, so, you know, I, again, Kevin Lyman, I will say. I applaud. Yeah. He's always had a really global outlook mm-hmm. on where the warp Tour fits in and what his vision is, I think, for the music scene. 
Um, I think definitely always with an eye on the bottom line financially, mm-hmm. but still within a pretty healthy dose of like, how can I just help yeah. with arts? Well, and to an extent, I mean, look at Lollapalooza. Shit won't happen if you don't have a business mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to take time off. So I, I commend him. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about him. I want to learn more about him. Thus this podcast. I would love for him to release a fucking book. Oh my God. Where is your book, Kevin Lyman? He's got to be working on one. Yeah. But just the foresight, I think a lot of it was a happy accident. I think part of the magic of it was they had their sights set and their hopes high, but it worked out so well. I don't think they ever could have dreamt of it working out this well, but to adapt and to keep it going so steadily and to constantly grow every year. This is year four. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to Japan. Yes. Right? So cool. Yeah, absolutely. Which so meant cool. that Japan had to hear of Warp Tour and won it, you know? Yeah. And that's... Or if they didn't, it had to be marketed way in advance to sell exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. Either way, it was probably a combo of both. So cool. Yes. Very cool. And I mean, the kind of planning that goes into that, the foresight that goes into that, I mean, it's... It, this is why Warp Tour lasted for 25 years. Yeah. Um... The, the last thing I really wanted to mention is just the compilation that came out. It's called A Compilation of Warped Music. It came out on Side One Dummy Records in 99, uh, sorry, 98. I know it, them well. It featured, yeah, it <laughs> featured Bad Religion, Swingin' Utters, Mighty Mary Boston's, No Effects, Pennywise, Dancehall Crashers, uh, No Use for Names, Sick of It All, Hepcat, Descendants, yeah. <laughs> uh, and a handful of other people. There was 25 songs in all. Um, That's interesting because 97 was Epitaph and then 98 was Side One Dummy. I feel like they kind of bop around intentionally, yes. which is very smart. Yes. I'd be interested. I got to look it up. I'd be interested to see like what label they always come back to. Who's done the most. Yeah. That's a Ooh, we should look that up. Yeah. yeah. Be interesting. Stay uh, tuned. Right. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, those were the highlights of Warped uh, 1998 and just some of the the new things that were starting to happen for 98, whether or not those changes would stick around for the next 21 years uh, is doubtful with some of them, but um, it, you know, it was interesting. But they tried. Yeah, they tried. Yeah. What are you, I know I just kind of talked to you for a while. Oh, I loved it. And I interrupted you constantly. So, um, I mean, we talked a lot about it on last week's episode with the songs of 98. I got, like, in way too deep about my larger philosophies. <laughs> Feel free to clip those out and put them in this episode. But, yeah, I mean, I keep coming back to this globalization, to this kind of mainstreaming of punk, pop punk, and just alternative. And I mean alternative in the truest sense of anything that's not pop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially this year, it's it just represents everything. I think it perfectly mirrors what's going on in the world it's the most woke <laughs> content woke. to date i mean all yes. of these bands were putting out the most clearly no holds barred political stances but there were also some fun bullshit at the mm-hmm. same time i mean it was still largely a lot of white dudes but we got a little bit mixed in there we got mm-hmm. some cool diverse groups and we got some super cool diverse genres and bands mm-hmm. I love it. I already talked for a million years on the last episode, (laughs) so I won't get too into it. But yeah, I mean, everything you said, and that was so interesting. Like, hella dope research, because I learned a lot. Uh, The Dallas Observer actually called, and when I say the Dallas Observer, I say some dude bro that writes for the Dallas Observer did 
consider 1998 to be one of his top four lineups. I read that. I accidentally Wikipedia'd that. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) it's one of the best four years. I don't know why they picked four. I know, right? Seemed really odd. But 25 years. It's a strong year. There's a lot going on. It was a strong year, and I do think. And the most ambitious. Yes, definitely the most ambitious so far. Um, It'll be interesting to see as we get into 99 and then 2000 how they capitalized on the success that they had out of 98 and really if they were able to maintain that speed. Um, I I know as we get into 2000s, we'll start to see maybe some decisions that didn't pan out as well as they would have hoped. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I agree. I think it's great that they included metal on this year because it paved the way in so many facets for the hardcore scene for emo, for screamo, for the bands that would really headline uh, within the later years. Yeah, well, and to so publicly and commercially yes. condone it. Yeah. To do that, like, public, clear, intentional uh, team-up with OzFest is wild. Yes. So I, You know, I mean, I love it. They fucking tried. Yeah. And, I mean, by all accounts, it kind of worked and out. they but were I... all over the map in the best yeah, way. Yeah, right, yeah. They were all over the map, but they knew that. They yeah. were catering to yeah. everyone. They were catering yeah. to all of the others. Yeah, exactly. You know? Except for women. Right. They tried. They tried with the oh, ladies' lounge. The lur- lurgus tea. Worse. Well, and also, like, I know that Warped Tour was founded with the intention of highlighting, like, skating. Yeah. But it's so clearly, like, its biggest legacy is through music. Yeah. And to make the effort for female skateboarders, but not make the space for female no. performers. Yes. Like, say Ferris was there. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. For- Give us more. Yeah. Riot Girl was up and running in a big way. Like... Yeah. <laughs> there's musically there's right. so much less space for women on warp tour yes. to this day. Yeah. And it's just so interesting that they made the effort with the skateboarders, I think because commercially and business wise it made more sense. Yeah. There's yeah. more of a market for that. Yeah, I agree. Again, right, it is very much like they missed the mark, but props for trying, but also like yeah. you could have tried harder, but it wouldn't well you think it wouldn't have made you money, but if anything has shown us in at least the last 10 years that anything female-driven makes money. Yeah. Because, hi, we're half your population, friends. Hello, kick-ass soundtrack to Captain Marvel. Woo! Exactly. So those are some highlights from 1998. Um, If you're interested to learn more about Warp Tour of 98, hit us up on our social medias. We'd love to chat about some things that maybe we weren't able to get to in this episode. Or if you were there, hit us up. Oh my God, please. If you're like, hey, you idiot, I know so much more than you, (laughs) feel free to tell us. (laughs) Don't call us an idiot. Yeah, ideally, like, don't call us idiots, but, like, tell us what we missed. I mean, we're not perfect. This is just a fun project for us. Yeah. So we did a kick-ass job, but I'm just saying, if you have additional info for us, Yes, please. Yeah, definitely if you were there, because I am very curious, especially if you went to the ladies' lounge, what was it like? Ooh, can we make a documentary about it? Was it pink? Because I would hate it if it was, but kind of be like, well, that... Yes, can we make a documentary? We will definitely find that video. I found it on Amazon. I need to send you the link. Hell yeah. And we will watch it. And Hell yeah. I don't think it was the only DVD they ever made of the tour. I'm pretty sure there's like at least two more. There's going to be a couple. Well, and I'm sure bands had offshoots as well. Yeah. So interesting. Well, hit us up on our socials. (laughs) Tell us everything. Leave us a review if you feel so inclined. Rate us on iTunes. We're on Podbean as well, <laughs> in case you're not an Apple user. I don't know your life, but if you're not an Apple user, you're probably not listening to me, so it's fine. <laughs> Props to Zoe. She killed it. 
Thank you so much for listening, Rachel. Thank you for listening to us tonight. Join us next time on A Work to Remember. Bye. Bye.